0: Coming up on today's show, we have a review of new horror, Hereditary. We talk about what things Minority Report correctly predicted. And also, we play our favourite game in the world. It's Cage or Nonsense. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two Ordinary Men Armed with Unqualified Opinions. Talk Filmy to me.
1: Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast. The film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture, and just like every other film thing in the UK, got slightly delayed by the World Cup. Anyway, Flint, this is a film podcast, don't think about films. Anyway, my host today on the pod. He's my Vinnie Jones Circa two thousand and six. He's my Zidane in Zidane. He's my mm. Kira Knightley in Bendit Like Beckham. John Desgamenta, how you doing, pal?
0: Amazing! I don't know if our American audience is going to understand those references, but they're football pun. I, I, I specifically
1: went for films they might recognise. So, Vinnie Jones was basically Juggernaut in X Men: Last Stand, who stood there and went, Oh, "I'm the Juggernaut, bitch." <laughs> uh, he also was in. Um, was, do you remember? Like he was like a tough guy in films for a little bit, weren't he? He done
0: the one I remember is Mean Machine. He played. He was in prison, and he gets the uh, sort of prisoners to. Have a football team and plays against the guards, and it's it's hilariously kind of average. But it's uh, Vinnie Jones is hilarious, he's pretty.
1: He was in, um, he was in, oh, gone in 60 seconds with Nicolas Cage. There you go,
0: Nicolas Cage. He was the first one, he was in the first one, wasn't he?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. He was the guy who didn't speak because they probably heard him speak in the audition and went, You know what, we're gonna make it so your guy doesn't talk.
0: <laughs> Arguably, the most successful. Footballer turned actor.
1: Uh, Aren't you forgetting David Beckham's brief cameo
0: in Goal? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, but the acting—I mean, Vinny Jones can v- vaguely act. Cantona it never really happened. He was in some adverts. I think Vinny Jones wins it for me.
1: Uh, I think you're also forgetting David Beckham's brief appearance appearance in that Guy Ritchie King Arthur movie, where he looked the part but sounded terrible. Anyway, let's move away from football. Let's talk about the the pod. Um, just want to shout out to our international audience. The last podcast, uh, looking through some of the numbers, great. Amazing downloads, great feedback, lots of people giving us likes and comments, which is awesome. But it's actually, John, did you know that the last podcast was in 13 different countries? That's insane.
0: 13. Who are these people? We love you. Thank you for listening. Um,
1: Yeah, that VPN program I've got that can let you change countries for downloads is, (laughs) is really paying off. Anyway, shall we crack on with news? News. What's your favorite 80s horror film, John? 80s horror is uh, The Shining, 80s? Uh, yeah, it was actually. And uh, I wasn't going to go in that direction, but you've actually pulled it in. So The Shining is getting a sequel and Ewan McGregor is going to going to play this part. Obviously, The Shining was a Stephen King book, an adaptation. Um, there's actually a sequel to that called Doctor Sleep and Warner Brothers are progressing with a sequel and there it is going to be coming out next year. This is going to be hard to top, right?
0: I like the idea of Ewan McGregor. I think he's one of very few people who you could entrust such uh, a big, a big kind of role and big film to. So, and I mean, we don't see you and McGregor do enough horror, so I think that's a good call. But I feel like I just compliment you and McGregor every week. That's a completely separate podcast.
1: <laughs> Welcome to John Strokes off you and McGregor.
0: <laughs> strokes off. There we
1: go. You just coined the the title of the pod. Um, so yeah, there's a sequel coming out. It's uh, I obviously all we know really is that Ian McGregor's attached. I'm interested to see who the director is. I'm interested to see who the writing behind this is going to be. Obviously, there's been some really good adaptations over the last year. Thinking about Gerard's game and and it uh, maybe less so of the Dark Tower, but hopefully it'll be you know in that same vein of just really loving the source material and adapting. The book, rather than the film, I think that's where they they seem to go a lot better in terms of these remakes slash sequelizations. Um, but anyway, a, a remake that is coming. This film scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Arachnophobia. This film. Do you remember when it was basically spiders attacking this little town? Not eight legged freaks. I'm talking about the the classic one with Jeff Jeff Bridges was in it, as well as um, oh, what's his name? John Goodman, that was it. Ah, oh, Absolutely fantastic. Scared me for days. It's, it's being remade, um, amazingly, by James Wan. He's going to be a really busy man over the next few years because he's he's obviously got the Aquaman movie coming out in November. He's also obviously been a big part of those Bloomhouse productions with Insidious and the like. And also, he's going to be directing and producing the Resident Evil reboot. So I don't know where this dude's going to find time to make this, but I am so excited. John, did arachnophobia scare you when you were a kid?
0: pretty pumped um i mean it would scare any i i am not scared of spiders i don't understand never understood the irrational fear of spiders i think they're cool but this definitely scares me because anything with that many legs and yeah i mean i've just contradicted myself but the film maybe do you think it's actually created a generation of people that are rationally scared of spiders
1: I think there are people of a certain age who still think when they go in the shower and they wash their hair, they want to subtly keep that's one eye it. open because there's they think, scene. oh no,
0: there's the scene, isn't there, in the sink and the bath, where the spiders coming. Oh yeah, that's I think that's ruined a lot of people's uh, any time they've got for spiders. But yeah. I
1: really hope I really hope John Goodman comes back. Um, I think he's actually a really underrated actor. Yes, he we know he does comedy well. Yes, he's had some flops like the Flintstones movie and and the like but he also if you have seen films like 10 Cloverfield Lane he has got some proper acting chops right this guy isn't just a funny fat old guy he has actually got layers to his performances and although he was very comedic and he was basically like the Terminator extinguisher guy just remember that line where he's just like take out bad wood put in good wood mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, I really hope his character somehow comes back I think I can't I can't You have to forgive me, I can't remember if his character dies in the film or not, but he's got to be involved in this project some way.
0: Hopefully Jeff Daniels will come on as well. If he'll do Dumb and Dumber and 2, you would hope uh, he'd be up for a few more needless <laughs> seats.
1: Yeah, very true. So, yeah, really excited about that. Anyway, moving on. So, Infinity War, we seem to talk about it every week. It seems to go from strength to strength to strength. It has just crossed the $2 billion mark. That is absolutely insane. Bear in mind, it is still in the cinemas. It hasn't been released on, on any form of media other than through the silver screen at the moment. That is incredible. Disney must be laughing all the way to the bank. It has already paid for free- it's paid for both sequels and then some that's incredible
0: that's insane um prepare yourselves to see a lot more films films than that ilk i guess
1: well <laughs> uh, yeah true i mean we got comic-con coming up really soon so they might announce a few bits then but another film that's grossing quite impressively at the moment is Jurassic world um it made 112 million dollars in its debut in china just in China alone, in that one weekend,
0: $112 million. Wow. China's uh, such a big player now these days, isn't it? You they, you have to make films for China.
1: There is, but it's, what's quite interesting is that they only allow a certain number of films to be released a year that are foreign. And um, and this is where there's kind of that debate about uh, diversity in casting. Sometimes you hear about a cast uh, member being appointed to a film because... On personal merit, and as well as, you know, they're obviously a, a great actor and they've got their own following, but there's also the skeptics out there that go, hmm. If you cast a certain number of Chinese actors, the Chinese <laughs> government will class that as a homegrown film, meaning that you don't have to compete with the other films that have to come out in that country. Um, obviously, I don't think that's the case of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It's obviously an incredible film. I really enjoyed it. We gave it a favourable review last week. But um, it's obviously the pull of this film is global um. Obviously, it's a weird, staggered release of Jurassic World because of the World Cup. And it hasn't even come out in the US yet. I think it's this weekend it comes out. But, yeah, it's already made enough money to pay for itself and then some. So, yeah, that's impressive. You know, it's quite interesting, actually. I was reading um, an interview with Tom Holland um, a while back. And he's got a reputation of spoiling anything he's involved in. Like, he's already been put on, on the on the naughty step with Marvel on several occasions for accidentally spilling the beans. I mean, come on, if you're in your early 20s playing Spider-Man, you're going to want to fucking tell everyone, surely. But anyway, he um, he obviously knows the director for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom very well because the director of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom also directed the film The Impossible, which was Tom Holland's first movie, his first big break. He very much hung around on set. He got very close with the staff. He's obviously very close to the director. The director sat down with him and actually bounced some ideas off him for Jurassic World 2. Now, when they were filming Infinity War, uh, Tom Holland met Chris Pratt for the first time and obviously he idolised him, he wanted to hang out and everything else. He actually told Chris Pratt what the story for Jurassic World was going to be before Chris Pratt got the script.
0: Oh dear, call him Adam Flint and give him a podcast. <laughs> this is... He must have been getting some cues from you, Flinty.
1: <laughs> Your
0: spoiling but, uh, days are, are over. To be fair, they're behind you. I think.
1: Yeah, that, I, I think I've I've learnt my lesson from from AJ. <laughs> but uh, I tell you who is thanks for the segue, there, joe I tell you who <laughs> is spoiling her own film. Uh, Patty Jenkins, she shared some details about Wonder World, uh, Wonder World, sorry, Wonder World, that, was, that would have been an interesting film, and um, Wonder Woman 2, which is going to be titled WW84, and she shared some scenes from from the film, obviously, that they're making at the moment, and they've obviously, they've made it very heavily 80s themed, you can look at the photos, and it feels like it's plucked out of a, either a, an episode of Stranger Things or Black Mirror or or something kind of not right but it's something interesting definitely there the most interesting thing is that Chris, Prine, uh, Chris, sorry, Chris Pine has been recast as his role as Steve Trevor and a lot of people made up lots of hypotheses of oh okay so maybe it's his great grandson or, or maybe it's like a clone or something like that and Paddy Jenkins has just come out and said no it's his character, he's coming back it's like whoa, whoa, whoa mm. you kind of you know, you, you kinda of hide you're kinda of exposing your big reveal there.
0: Yeah. It looks great though. I mean the little spoiler clips. I like the idea. Um I love the World War sort of theme in the first one. Maybe they're sort of jumping on the Stranger Things bandwagon a bit, but Chris Kristen Wig as the uh supervillain as well is gonna that's intrigued it intrigued
1: me. I, I feel sorry for patty jenkins and the the team that have to create these wonder woman films because she's kind of been given a, a real annoying challenge of the character was already established in bvs so you had to go do an origin story already having half the stuff revealed to the audience and um, you then have her performance in justice league where again it's already propelled into the future a little bit so how do you carve out stories that are of, of any note right I mean here's the biggest problem with prequels we know the hero is going to survive I mean okay we kind of already know that because you wouldn't make a film of this ilk and kill off your main character but um, there's no there's no suspense there's no adversity that you know they can't overcome so how do you make it interesting well you make it about heart you make it about the person instead rather than the thing they're going after which uh which is why wonder woman shone so well because it wasn't just about her defeating aries it was about her discovering herself in a world where obviously times have changed a little bit in terms of uh how how women are portrayed and treated so i think that was the usp of the first one
0: i'm interested to see what the
1: usp of the second one's going to be
0: yeah in Patty we trust i think she i yeah i can see it being a massive smash
1: yeah a film uh, speaking of dc stuff so jared leto i generally I'm probably one of the four people on the internet that actually like jo- likes jared leto as the joker um i thought he was a good joker he was just in a bad joker film if that makes sense Um, he and there are literally tons of Joker projects going on at the moment obviously Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movies in production at the moment that's actually going ahead but also they've announced that Jared Leto will return as the Joker in his own movie
0: I love the guy playing it and I love the character but I don't want to keep seeing these Joker films yeah and so many different takes it kind of gets confusing right for the casual uh, for you know for the casual observer to me anyway no I agree with you
1: and also I think the Joker's not a character he's not a uh, he's not an, an he's not a a person that you flesh out he's an element he's a combustible component he's a storm you don't know when it's going to occur you don't know why it's occurring you just know to either get out of its way or or try and hold on because the chaos is a, a complete random it's an act of nature I love the fact that the Dark Knight tried to ground this in reality by giving him several backstories all of them probably being wrong or there might be an element of truth to all of them now the more we learn and the more central focus the Joker is in these films the more things become canon the more things become lore or the story that builds up this character I don't want to know about about the man behind the makeup i'm more concerned or happy to see the chaos that this entity of unknown this black box that the joker is and the more story you give to it the more screen time the more
0: you lose that allure that's right and you can't just keep kind of throwing out oh maybe it's this maybe it's that you lose the intrigue after a while don't you
1: yeah definitely um, so although I love Jared Letter, I think he's an amazing actor. I mean oh, what was the the one where he um, oh, I completely drew a blank now the one where he uh, about HIV treatments with Matthew McConaughey uh, Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club, Club. yes uh, that performance stunning performance yeah yeah absolutely brilliant and even in like some of the not so good Jared letter like films he is still incredible in them um, so yeah he's, you know he's gonna he's gonna Bring it he's going to bring the a-game and it's going to be an awesome performance i just hope that this doesn't drag the fatigue that's been happening with dc already um but anyway let's let's move away from from news for a moment john uh, we've got a review lined up this week and um, this was pre-recorded by myself hereditary a horror film which uh, came out a couple of weeks ago but uh, is really starting to build up momentum and um, enjoy
0: It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman.
1: Hereditary is a horror film that came out over the last couple of weeks in the UK, however this film has actually been doing the rounds for a little while, it first premiered in January at the Sundance Festival. It's distributed by A24, quite an unknown small company but it's having a massive impact around the globe at the moment. It's directed by Ari Aster and it's starring a relative unknown cast but think of it in the mould of low budget, great producing, great work, uh, relying on some really different tropes to really harness the, the reachability of a good horror film the plot of this film is about annie and her family annie recently unfortunately suffered a grievance where she's having to cope with that and the film starts with her at the funeral of her mother explaining that her mother led a very secret life she didn't really know too many details about this and that she hopes that the burden on the family isn't too severe and that obviously everyone's going to rally around together and and get better from this tragedy and um, She has a teenage son, she has a teenage daughter, who are struggling with school and various things, but all of a sudden, strange occurrences start happening. Strange things start going on in the kids' lives, strange behaviour start happening, and it all goes back to the secrets that their grandmother had within the family – I'm not going to go into too much more detail now. that. What I really want to talk about is the tone of this film. There's something really exciting and interesting about these films where they don't necessarily rely on mass CG effects or big names to, to draw you in on this. It's the subject matter and the creepiness that's told in this film. I haven't been scared in a cinema for a very, very long time. Not in this way. I was jump scared out of my skin several times. The subject matter gets quite creepy in places yes, the, it all stems back to the grandmother who had a very weird history with some really in-depth secrets which engulfs the family. Um, it's got a supporting cast which is really, really interesting. It's not your stereotypical uh, Hollywood blockbuster that you kind of used to see of this sort of stuff. It is a real interesting sense, attack on the senses I should say. Um, in terms of the cast itself, um, Annie's being played by Tony Collette as well as her husband Steve who's played by Gabrielle Bryan and their son who's played by Alex Wolf and a young actress called Millie Schaprino, who's so eerily scary in this film, it is absolutely uh, terrifying. But at the same time, really, really refreshing. Uh, This kind of takes the tropes of Grandmother was kind of weird, suffered from mental illness and needed uh, additional help from their their support and community, which is what they they believe anyway. And from that community rallying around the Grandmother, you all of a sudden realise there's a much bigger thing going on here most cult like things going on actually I don't want to go into too much details about that um, in terms of the, the way the story is told it is so fresh it is so unique um, think about that impact you first saw a Bloomberg film and how it scared the crap out of you think about the way Get Out twisted the, the and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about subject matter okay it's nothing to do with race or anything like that it was the way the camera worked the way the story was being told was unique and fantastic and this is why it's probably one of the most surprise packages of the year so far um, it only had a $10 million budget, but it's already exceeded it. I can imagine it's going towards a sort of $60-$70 mark, at, uh, sorry $70 million mark as we speak the ending had me absolutely shaking in my seat uh, it has stayed with me for the last few days this film, I think, if you think about films like A Quiet Place and think about this it is a resurgence in horror and I'm not just talking about slasher horror I'm not talking about zombie horror, I'm talking about that horror that keeps you awake for days that horror that questions humanity that horror that makes you think, ooh Ooh, I hope that doesn't happen to me, this is that film. If you are a faint of heart, this is not the film for you. If you are pretty scared of, of jump scares, probably shouldn't see this. If you're grossed out by bugs crawling out of people's faces, and maybe this film is for you because you want to embrace those fears, whatever it is. But um, this film is one of the best horror films I've seen in a very long time. It's definitely the horror film of the year so far i'm going four out of five for this i think it's an absolute triumph in terms of storytelling on that budget they had as well as working on those story tropes i hope they don't sequelize it and try and make it into a franchise this was a great self-contained story hereditary four out of five i just don't want to put any more stress on my family So there you have it four out of five a film which absolutely scared the crap out of me and has definitely stuck with me since that viewing and I like I said I hope they keep it as a self-contained story I don't want to see this develop into a franchise but I'd love to see what this team keeps working on think of people like Jordan Peele what he done with Get Out and how he's starting to go to take his concepts and take it into other films would love to see that but anyway so our feature this week uh, this is kind of a weird one it made me feel really really old Uh, Minority Report Tom Cruise classic and before Ready Player One I'd say was probably one of the best Steven Spielberg films in the last 20 years and that's not an exaggeration if you look at his back catalogue some of them have been misses Um, but Minority Report was an absolute stellar classic back in the day that is turning 16 years old as of this weekend how
0: old do you feel John that's sickening isn't it but it's a very overlooked movie, isn't it? it hasn't, maybe it hasn't aged well. Maybe this is the perils of making futuristic movies that they just look back on as gimmicks. but Or maybe they just look back on as features for a podcast. Who knows? <laughs>
1: but what I found really interesting is that if you think about um, Jean-Luc Picard in the Starship Enterprise, obviously Next Generation, he had a prop. That prop was a computer that was a flat, as flat as a book and about the same size, and that actually became the inspiration for the iPad and the tablet. and pretty much part of the reason why we're able to scale technology down and why it's basically part of our everyday culture minority report has actually inspired a lot of stuff which i wanted to kind of interestingly dive into with john on that so let's talk about obviously the most obvious one which is you think of that scene where they've got the 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 or whatever they're bloody called cognitive or whatever the name was of them in the in the pool and and tom cruise's character would use gesture control to um to magnify on the screen now shortly after that film came out there was actually a, a gaming apparatus do you remember that the xbox connect where you could utilize your uh, gestures to do bowling and stuff like that do you ever play it
0: oh yes oh yes i used to work on video games and that was like back in when i was working that was like a big thing the connect and the playstation play and you had to and of course it all <laughs> sort of flumped none, <laughs> none of it really stick stuck but it was a. Uh, very gimmicky
1: you're right it was a bit gimmicky but some interesting uses come from that so first of all it didn't do too well in the games industry but actually pharmacy companies used it for helping out um, in sterile environments think about when you're you're operating and you need your hands to be able to na- navigate with with gesture control the xbox connect actually was used as a, a lot of trial tools which ended up being tools that support really in-depth operations now which is kind of cool but that's not the, the cool thing which i think has come from that so if you think about gesture control that was the first step and um, we then tried to take that into gestures onto our machine so if you think about your mobile phone, how you can swipe up, swipe down, or you swipe left, swipe right, the technology has evolved from gesture orientation. So you think about like your connects and stuff. And that all come from being inspired by a minority report. Or a lot of people anyway heavily involved in that. So next time you swipe down on your phone, think about Tom Cruise trying to pinch and zoom on in thin air. But um, do you remember the mm-hmm. the scene where the guy's eye uh, is or oh, sorry Tom Cruise's eye is replaced. And when he goes in and out of shops, um, he's being targeted for advertising.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. That's painfully real. That is
1: painfully real now, right? Like, if you think about how cookies and all that stuff works. That is basically a a weird version of what you, you saw there. Obviously, I'm not saying that's attributed by a minority report but it's kind of interesting they kind of got that prediction right that your digital footprint is now basically used for tacking and and finding out other things we can push in front of you tailored to you if you went on a different if you went onto a computer uh, sorry went onto a website on my computer you would be served different adverts to if i went onto your computer
0: obviously john it's all clean and above board but i found that fascinating yeah, i don't need anything being made larger thank you very much internet you can stop sending me there <laughs> But uh, interesting in this film is set in 54 and nearly everything is sort of on the way if anything it's further along than you would think for 2018 right yeah definitely so one of the things
1: which is quite interesting that and this is kind of more you know I don't want to get too deep on this podcast but like um, the idea of profiling for future crimes now obviously back then it was just done by stereotypes and uh, and the discretion of the officer but now a lot of this is data led for better or worse reasons and if you think about um, in the UK in particular we're very much uh, always finding out the results of what we call stop and search and the demographics of people that are finding under under that and you know we're asking questions now as a society of why are we stopping these people why are we searching them is it because of statistical data why are we doing that statistical data is it based on on your your predisposition of these people so it's opened up a lot and i'm not supporting or defending any of this sort of stuff it's just part of the conversation and it is really making us think about how we treat others and how we're being perceived in terms of how we're being searched by the law and stuff so i thought that was an interesting topic which if minority report was being made now that's definitely a trope they would work on more yeah
0: definitely what about the voice controlled homes because that was a big part of it and obviously this last couple of years everyone's just gotten used to talking to their devices like it's definitely not weird and it's so strange how quickly it turns
1: yeah i mean i remember it was only two years ago i got my first amazon echo and now i've got one in each room i've got nest cameras everywhere i probably shouldn't be advertising this because i'll probably get hacked and and become a a a minor internet celebrity from people watching me in my pants watching tv but um (laughs) but yeah it's, it's so weird how some gimmicks are really taking off especially home automation i do think that voice control still feels a bit stupid but the concept of having like your whole network accessible whether it be via your phone or your tv or your laptop um that's definitely something that's going to stick around people are lazy right and yeah we think about half the reason why the technology that may have been inspired by some of the stuff in minority report actually that's all come about laziness that consumerism that wanting to get stuff quickly um interestingly enough one thing in um minority report is that they were talking about instant deliveries of stuff so you order something and it turns up instantly well amazon have been trialing over the last year and they do it every christmas now it's this thing called amazon now it's where you order something and it it turns up at your your doorstep within four hours and like you said that film was set in 2054 but a lot of those
0: things were already quite you know way advanced yeah it's very very uh i mean half how much of it though do you think like driverless cars i mean if you're making a futuristic and you haven't got a driverless car you're just you're just setting yourself up for being called an idiot right how much of this stuff is easy to predict (laughs) do you think or do you think it's really impressive that they've nailed down a lot of things i
1: think the subtle stuff like we talked about the targeting of ads like that just wasn't That wasn't a trope in sci fi then. Gesture controls was not a trope in sci fi back then. Obviously, it is now. And obviously, um, augmented reality. That was something which uh, films like The Lawnmower Man first started to to utilize on and and predict. Obviously, this whole concept of everyone going on an online world has always been going around for a while, and there's been some video games that have tried to to mimic that. You think of games like This Is Life or or just even The Sims and stuff like that, where it tries to build more communities from, which I, I find interesting. But um, but yeah, there's even think about oh, Total Recall, that had a driverless car. It even had like a, a, a little robot in the front of it. Do you remember Arnie just ripping it off going Ah <laughs>
0: <laughs> So here's a thought experiment, Flinty. If you were making a futuristic for the year twenty one hundred, is there anything slightly what what would you put in it?
1: Oh, I don't know i'd I'd probably be just really ironic and basically remake the Jetsons like everything's in pill form and everyone sits in little domes. I don't know it'll probably be more like woolly when everyone's fat and and can't be bothered to move and we've de evolved to a point of we you know we're just big jelly people.
0: <laughs> Have you seen idiocracy? no one of the greatest satirical movies ever oh it's absolutely incredible um that's probably i might be pessimistic but i think that's probably the painting the uh, most realistic portrayal of the future um and that but that's a very pessimistic view
1: less well, like um 2001 right that film is so beautiful and uh, every now and again the national history museum in london will put, uh, they've got like a cinema which is amazing by the way they will do a 2001 space oddity night and that is the best way to enjoy that film. I mean that, that, that is an intense film and you watch it and you think, "Oh my God, this is storytelling at its finest and that's there's nothing you know there's nothing uh, joyful about that. in fact, a lot of it is kind of weird uh, in fact and half of that stuff is is coming into fruition. some of that stuff isn't it's definitely not in 2001 anyway but um, yeah, it's really 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 interesting.
0: hmm very interesting
1: cool so any other films that you've made you feel really really old but in retrospective actually might have predicted a few things get in contact with us on twitter at talk filmy to me
0: we're still not using the free seashells though are we Flinty?
1: i'm like a prickly pear that's right that is right get the fuck out of my way
0: hi <laughs> i need to refill this i
1: don't have a prescription i'd
0: like to take
1: his his face you're like a cat oh and uh, throw in a couple of martinis while you're at it oh you have to do Cage or nonsense. Nicolas Cage, one of our finest actors. It's fair to say that over the 89 films that he's delivered over his career, some of them are absolute stellar, some of them are kind of weird. The purpose of this game is that I've got some film synopses. Some of them are genuine Nicolas Cage movies, some of them are complete nonsense made up by myself, and it's up to my go my co-host to guess whether it's Cage or nonsense. John, last time round you got three out of four. How are you feeling this week? I
0: actually like this game a lot more than Connect the Dots for some reason uh i I can't i can't think why i think you like it too because you just get to you let your creative juices flow and you might i think you've secretly got a lot of uh bad film ideas and this is a way to kind of get them out into the world it
1: is uh, i'm pretty sure we'll see the the um I won't even go I can't even remember some of the synopsis I wrote I, I was writing them on a train on my phone and uh, Jamie managed to spot that I have a pattern of uh, putting da- putting things in, in so he goes oh, I know that film's a fake because you, you say in the podcast there's 89 Nicolas Cage movies and you set that film in the year 2089 so I, I've been purposely going through my fake films to remove any tales <laughs> <laughs>
0: we well, you know you too well see, so uh, I I met you when I was 7 so there's not All many right, secrets. okay.
1: Well, uh, let, let's see if you can guess this one. So, like, film one. Stunt motorcyclist Johnny Blaze gives up his soul to becoming a hell-blazing vigilante to fight against a hungry black heart, the son of the devil.
0: Johnny Blaze. Oh. Do you know, I don't know. I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's from the head of Adam Flint. I'm going to say that's Cage.
1: You are correct. It is Cage, Ghost Rider. Film two. A con artist and his young protege are on the verge of pulling off a lucrative swindle only for the former's teenager to arrive unexpectedly. Um, I'm going to go with nonsense. It is a genuine Nicolas Cage film called Matchstick Men. (laughs) okay. (laughs) Film three, a disgraced public service lawyer takes on a case of defending a man accused of burning down an orphanage. Upon taking the case, the lawyer discovers a truth that will shake the foundations of a city.
0: I feel like I've seen that. Um, I'm going to say Cage. It's absolute nonsense. Oh, well, there you go. I have I think I've seen the movies that have been made in your head on the train <laughs> on the way to work. Something's going wrong there. Film four. A small group of survivors are
1: left behind after millions of people suddenly vanish and the world is plunged into chaos and destruction. I'm going to say... That seems generic i'm gonna go with nonsense that's a generic that's a sorry, that's a genuine Nicolas cage
0: film john left behind <laughs> a genuine nerick that's a good little combination of generic and air. well done so if you think of a nicholas cage
1: movie that's just absolute <sighs> nonsense that you want to try and trick us with send it through at talk filmy to me john this week two out of four cage or nonsense oh and uh, throw in a couple of martinis while you're at it all oh, you have to do thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast if you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it please click on the like subscribe the follow whatever button it means that you get more content from talk filmy to me i want to take a moment to thank my boy john how can
0: people find you you can find me at on twitter at descamento
1: please keep liking us please keep subscribing the people that are writing comments we're going to start gathering them up and doing shout outs on the podcast uh, we're cutting up to nearly 100 followers on Twitter we'll probably give out a prize for that sort of stuff soon uh, yes the announcement is coming of who we're partnering with we still want to keep growing the social media before we announce it and uh, next week we'll be back with a review probably of Incredibles 2 uh, probably of Oceans 8 probably of a streaming gem a feature and of course more Cage or Nonsense stay filmy <laughs>
0: Down in the basements
1: We'll lock the
0: cellar door And baby
1: Talk filmy to me